Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Dave Hender of Hender Design Build. Dave is the president over there, and he helped found the company and took over as president when his father, Chuck, retired in 2016. Dave started his carpentry career in 1991 as a carpenter apprentice with a local building company. Since then, he has learned every aspect of being a tradesman, a manager, and a business owner. To this day, he never stops learning. Dave is involved in many aspects of the local community, including the Rotary Club of Greater Corvallis, and now for my conversation with Dave Henderer. Hey, Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me to be on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to, to dive in, but to give everyone a little bit of context, who are you, what's the company, and where are you guys based out of? Sure, sure. So my name is Dave Henderer. Our company is called Henderer Design Build. We're in Corvallis, Oregon, home of the Beavers. Not to be confused with that other team that's down south. We have been in business 28 years. We started as a small family business, my dad, one of my brothers and I, in 1994. We've kind of grown from there. Awesome. That's cool. So you said you started with your dad and your brother in 94? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So how did that all come together? What made you guys say, yep, let's, let's start something? <laughs> it's laughable, actually. So my dad was a, a middle school math teacher here in Corvallis, which meant that he had the summers off, right? I was one of three boys. I was the youngest, still am the youngest and still act like the youngest too. So that meant, what am I going to do with three boys in the summer so they don't drive their mom crazy when they're not in school, right? So so dad also happened to be a workaholic. And so we would do like fences, decks, painting, whatever. He still has a rototilling business, actually. He's like Troy built, you know, like he he should be there, the company rep for Troy. He's had, <laughs> I think over the years, he's had like 18 or 19 Troy built. And yes, they are really good machines. So that's kind of how we got started, right? Growing up, I remember being on roofs at nine years old, 10 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, <laughs> I knew I didn't want to be there. Yeah. Like, all my sure. friends were playing and goofing off in the summer. And here I was on a stupid roof or whatever. So that was kind of growing up until, you know, through through high school. And then out of high school, I worked at a lumber yard for a few years and, and got to know all the builders, right? And still, we, we had our licenses just so we were legal, right? So dad still did stuff. My brother still did stuff while he was going to college and we worked together. And I think we thought that was legit at the time. And so then dad was looking at early retirement. I had moved from one builder to another, wasn't loving it, and but loved the trades. I just like got into the trades. I was very fortunate to go to work for a really good builder who had a great reputation. I learned a ton from him in the short time I worked for him and also had kind of a mentor 
that gave me some really good advice. And he also retired school teacher. Hmm. I remember he told me, he said, pay attention to all the trades, watch them ask a lot of questions. And he said, you'll never go a day of work, a day without work. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And so I did. Right. And I just loved the trades and learned, loved putting things together. So then dad was looking at early retirement a few years later. And my mom's cousin who lives down in that other town with that other school I mentioned earlier. Yeah. The school um, not to be named. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> wanted an addition. And he happened to also be our family dentist for forever growing up. I'm like, yeah, we can do that. So we're like, well, gosh, we've got an addition. We should form a company. So <laughs> we started this, we incorporated because incorporating was a big thing back in the, in the early nineties. So we incorporated and started Hender Construction. Yeah. Based on one job. There you go. My brother and I built that thing foundation up. Dad was still teaching. And so that was our first job. And then people would just call us because they knew they knew my dad, knew he's a good guy, knew he was trustworthy and all that, and weren't sure about his sons, but he was okay. Yeah, they, they knew enough. Got, that's how we got yeah. work, right? Interesting. Um, yeah. So it was just word of mouth and you know, he started with one job and led to the next. And yep. And we were doing we did so much dry rot repair those first few years. Again, my dad was just happy to be working with his boys. And I'm like, I'm a finished carpenter. What am I doing? Dry rot repair. <laughs> but anyways, we we got through it, right? So, so that's, that's cool. Yeah. You know, it it is funny. I was doing another one of these recently, and there's just like these micro moments that you almost don't even notice at the time. And they're so subtle but then it sets you down this path that becomes like a decade or more or, you know, whatever of the journey, you know? And so it's interesting that there was that one job that made you say, okay, yeah, let's like start a company around it. I'm curious, what were the first few years like? Like, how did you guys navigate? Did you all own it equally? Like who had a say or was it just natural? I, yeah, just I, th- we, I think that my dad was 60% and then my brother and I were each 20% owners, I think. It just randomly picked a number, right? Yeah. Um, maybe dad's truck was worth more than mine was or something. I don't know. But that's kind of how we established that. And then the first year or the second year, I can't remember, we hired a longtime family friend who had a feed store, super smart guy, like should have been an engineer or something, but he he was really just a, a solid guy. And you know, I grew up with his kids kind of thing in, in church and whatnot. And so that was our first hire. And then the next summer... We hired another person who still works for us, actually, is now our estimator. And it was, just, it was kind of like every year we'd hire somebody. We really didn't know what we were doing, though. <laughs> there was no thought about like profit and loss and all that. So we were doing all of our bookkeeping. It was all by hand. My dad was doing it. You know, he still balances his checkbook by hand. Wow. And if it's off a penny, it drives him nuts. So <laughs> that's kind of how the first few years went. If somebody needed an addition, we would say, okay, call this designer or this architect and we might hear from them. We might not. That's kind of how we did things. Estimating was, I think it'll take this long. And it was <laughs> the numbers were, were meaningless, really. It was like, well, is there money in the bank? Okay. I guess we're doing all right. Guess we're, yeah. I guess it's all working and we're, we made it to the next week, the next month. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So do you feel like after you guys had been doing that for, for a little bit, like what was the next pivot point that really like changed from just, hey, we're... We're trying this out. We're figuring it out. You know, we're picking up some projects, hiring some people. Yeah. I think for me, what happened was I got hurt playing basketball. I separated my shoulder. I remember how old I was, late 20s, maybe, or something. 
And it sort of dawned on me, it was like, oh, you know, if I don't, if I can't work, I don't get paid, physically work, I don't don't get paid. How's that going to work? Right. And I'm not necessarily built for the trades. I'm a little bit taller. So bad back and knees and all that stuff that goes along with, with all of that. But so it just got me thinking like, hmm, I should probably make a contingency plan. <laughs> and, started, and then so I just started reading like I had eight weeks off. I still went around to jobs and stuff like that, but I couldn't really do anything. And so I just started reading some stuff and I can't, I can't remember the first like trade book that I, that I read. It might've been like one of David Gerstle or Mike, anyways, read a book, right? Read a book about, hey, this is actually a business, not just a something to do and build hourly for. And that and it just kind of went from there. And so, yeah, so you started reading reading the books and recognizing like, oh, this is a business. There's some structure, there's some pieces. And so, yeah, how, like, how did we get to the next phase? Because I, I guess, I don't know, is your dad still involved in the business? Is your brother no. still involved or... No, so so I went to the D Live down in San Jose, and that was like really my first like perspective on like the big pictures. Like I saw all these all these people in this you know auditorium, all these professional looking folks. I remember being on a on a shuttle bus, and one of the keynote speakers was in there. I won't name him, but everybody knows who he is. And he asked me like, "So what's your revenue? What's your this and that?" I'm like, I have no idea. I don't even know what you're talking about. So that would have been like 97, I think. Anyways, so again, just sort of made me think like, I need to start learning this stuff. I ironically, I was a, I I was a contractor in a forum for one of our window and door suppliers. I don't know why they picked me. I didn't, it made no sense, but Victoria Downing was actually the keynote speaker there. That was my first exposure to Remodeler's Advantage, right? And so here's this, she hasn't changed a bit. Her enthusiasm level is still the same as it is <laughs> as it was like 20 whatever years ago. So that's awesome. So I went online at a certain point and checked out Remodeler's Advantage. I'm like, oh, this is way beyond me. And then at one point, at Remodeling Magazine, Jim Strite was on the cover of Remodeling Magazine and he was talking about open book management and blah, 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 blah. And so I read the article. I'm like, I got to I got to talk to this guy. So I just called him up. I'm like, hi, I introduced myself. Do you got a few minutes? Would you mind talking with me? So he, he super gracious, kind of answered anything I wanted to know, probably. And we hung up. And like within two days, I got this call from Victoria Downing. <laughs> like, and so that sort of, that created my, my I guess that, that sort of started me down the path of like learning about the business, right? So joined Remodeler Advantage, life-changing, business-altering, all that stuff. I'm a slow learner. So I've been an RA for nearly 20 years. I took a little hiatus around, uh, you might've heard of the of that recession we had. So I took about uh, a year Yeah, what, what was that one? Yeah, <laughs> vaguely in my... Yeah, my, so long so ago. Here we are, right? Nice. No, I like it. That's cool. Well, I want to I wanna pick up a little bit more of the, the more current journey, but I guess I'm, I'm very curious, like from that point forward, when you maybe like joined Remodeler's Advantage, you started looking at it as from more of a business perspective than just, Hey, this is what I do. What do you think were some of those early hurdles or really big challenges that you, to fill in the gaps or put things in place? Mm-hmm. For me, it was the first hurdle was, look, if you're going to, if this is going to be any kind of a business, you can't work with the tools. You just, you just can't, right? And I always said, oh, I'm never going to be that contractor that never works with the tools and da 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 Well, here I am. And yeah, I, I don't work with the tools anymore. So there was that hurdle. 
also just understanding the financials, right? The, what is a balance sheet? What all those ratios mean? What goes into a P&L? All of that stuff. I learned QuickBooks, right? I worked with a bookkeeper remotely over the phone because it was before Zoom. For I'd be on the phone for hours on end learning QuickBooks, right? And she could remote in and she was moving stuff around and all that kind of thing. That was an expensive learning curve, but very vital. I feel like I know QuickBooks pretty well now. Yeah. So that yeah, was important. Those are big ones. We hired our first designer in 2002. So that, which again, we, we made that shift from just a contractor building stuff to design build and then hired an interior designer and then another. And, you know, to where now we have an architect and four interior designers on staff and production manager and an estimator. We kind of put these, these pieces in, in place over the years because really I'm not very good at any of those things. And so I think once you're able to maybe check your ego at the door and like, all right, what am I good at? Maybe I should just do that. What am I not good at? Let's find the right people to do that. And we've been pretty, pretty fortunate and successful to have some pretty phenomenal people that work here. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. What do you think surprised you the most about being an entrepreneur, being a business owner? Well, a number of things, I suppose. I mean, we're, I'm constantly surprised, but I think one of the biggest things is when you when you have good people that work for you, and you no longer need to solve all the problems yourself, right? If you just say, "Hey, here's something that we're struggling with. I don't want to have you know pass this edict from above to say, "Hey, here's how we're doing things now. Just do it, right?" If you involve your people in solutions, they're going to be the best solutions, and they're going to follow through on them too. So that has been been really big for us. And the fact that, you know, people care. Your, your people care about you, right? As long as you've made good hires, they care about you and, and it's mutual. So that's, I don't know if that's surprising or not, but just something that I've learned over the years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably, I mean, it's something that you probably don't think about going into it. And then you realize like the people part of it is like everything. And uh, actually, so good point, right? So I used to, when we first started, I'm like, oh, we're going to have the best finished carpentry and our miters are all going to be tight. And uh, I mean, that's all very important stuff, right? But if you don't have the, the people skills and if you don't really, if, if all you care about is the, the product and you don't care about the people, I think that's pretty short-sighted. I would agree. Yeah. Pe- um, people are the most important thing on all sides of it, right? From your staff, from your vendors and trade contractors and your, your clients, right? It's this team that you're building. And the clients become part of that team for the length of their project. Yeah, good point. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So 
it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm always curious when I see companies that have been around for a long time, you know, seen ups and downs and they've evolved, right? They've stayed current that, you know, you just talked about one shift going to design build. I'm sure you've had several evolutions. How do you stay current? How do you continue your learning and your advancement? Like, is it, is it books? Is it conferences? Is it people? Is it, yeah, anything else? Yeah, all of the above. But I think staying in touch with other people in, in the industry is one way. I have friends here locally that we kind of do the same thing. We all do it a little bit differently, maybe. We talk, you know, we'll, we'll have coffee. My remodeling, remodeler's advantage cohorts are some of my best friends. Sadly, we don't happen to live in the same area, right? It's probably a good thing because none of us would get any work done, but, but we talk fairly regularly, you know, just make a phone call and we'll chat. You know, how are things going? How are things over on the East Coast? What's lead flow looking like? Yeah, any of that sort of stuff. And the other thing too is I think investing in your staff, right? In your team members. So my production manager is now in, in an RA roundtable. Any of my staff wants to, to go do something to further their, their education on the industry, I rarely say no. We'll send designers to the, the VA show, not every year, but they're probably going this year. Right. So they, they keep keep tabs on the trends, like the design trends and stuff like that. But yeah, that's kind of all I read about, I guess, is business stuff. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I feel like it it just becomes like a interest level, you know, like once you're in it, then you're like, oh, I want to just kind of keep consuming in that. <laughs> it's the craziest business in the world, I swear. But uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm sure over the years you've had like some wacky client stories or weird projects or you know different things that have happened. Anything coming to mind that you can share about? Obviously, you can leave out any names or anything like that. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, I could tell you a funny story, I guess. But Let's uh, do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I just ran into an electrician as a... As a I poured drinks at a, a local baseball team, like I poured beers, just kind of for, for fun, right? And last Saturday, I was at a game and here's this electrician who I hadn't seen for years. I'm like, hey, Brent, what's up? And he brought up this, this project, which I remember the project very well, but we were remodeling these folks' kitchen. And as a part of the project, we had to trench to the back of their yard to put a new meter, new meter main, and basically up, update their and upgrade their electrical service, right? So the owners were both out of town at the time. And he had told me like, yeah, avoid this area here and whatever with the trench, right? Okay. And he had told me why. I remember I was not on the job, but I get a call and it's it's actually from one of my employees. And he's just like, he can't get a word out. He's just laughing so hard. And apparently the electricians had unknowingly, they, they trenched through where the beloved family dog was buried. Jeez. <laughs> And so, and, and to the point where there's, you know, kind of fur up on the, the trencher and the dog's collar was up on the trencher. And, oh, wow. and, and so, and apparent also it was kind of fresh. And so I didn't go over there for a while, but the, the entire neighborhood knew something was amiss because of the, the smell that was emanating from this backyard. And so just 
hearing that story, like 20 years later, this electrician was just yucking it up about that. That was a pretty good story. But but then the owner came back and we were upstairs and he was looking at the where the trench obviously was. And I, he kind of knew it. And he says, you got BB, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah, because that was a dog's name. And yeah, but it all, they, they hired us again down the road. We we did a lot of work on that house. So it, it all I don't know, that, that's kind of a funny story, I guess. That's the that closest was, that thing we've to a body on a job. Yeah, close enough, right? Yeah, probably don't want to get any closer than that. No, no. <laughs> well, we were, we were chatting a little bit before we hit record. You've got, your kids are working in the business now. And obviously the way you started the business with, you know, brother and dad, and now you've got, you know, the next generation coming in. I guess I'm just curious to get your overall take on working with family Mm. in business. It's the best thing ever. Nothing ever goes wrong. (laughs) It's super easy. Yeah. Everybody should do it. Perfect. Uh, Great. We'll wrap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a wrap. No, seriously. You know, when my brother and I, he moved away to out of the country, we bought him out for like 150 bucks or something around 2000. So it was just my dad and I were owners, but then he moved back. We hired him back and I, I actually had to, we, we parted ways twice. And, and so the last time was, it was for good. And we're just like, look, let's just be brothers. He's doing his own thing. I'm doing mine. It's all good. We're, we're good. But so my wife has, she came on six years ago and um, my wife is a rule follower and I am not. And so <laughs> this sounds um, really familiar. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was the first thing is like, okay, so she's not on paper, but she really is half owner. We're making that change in the background. But so here's this person that likes rules and likes all that kind of thing. And me, I'm like fly by the seat of my pants. It's going pretty well. Yeah. So that sort of upset the apple cart for a little bit because now the staff is like, wait, who do we listen to here? Right. So my, I guess my advice on that would be plan that. Like, don't just, oh, come on board. I need you over here. Come on. Right. And I know better, but we we worked all that out and we're doing good now. The kids, our oldest has worked for us now for five years, I think, almost five or six years. So she worked in the field for a year. She was actually grooming pets. She was making good money doing that, but she just, the, the management was, anyway, she needed to leave. And I said, well, we can, we can put you in the field. And she worked under one of a, the lead carpenters, project managers, who's a really good teacher, actually, no longer with us, but but she was fortunate to work under him. And, and then we needed a front desk person. And so she came into that role. And that person, of course, answered the phone, does a lot of data entry, you know, is in QuickBooks, all that sort of stuff. And again, kind of as a, a utility play, player. And then so the last three-ish years, she's been learning design, again, under one of our more senior designers. She's been teaching her stuff. And a year ago, I had the opportunity to go into a design seat. So she's been designing now for a year. She's got, like I said, a year left before she has her degree. But that's just a let's get that done, check that that box and get that piece of paper. She's doing great. Our son, who's 24, when, when we moved her to a design seat, now we needed somebody to fill her seat. He was in a job that he was sick of. We're like, all right, come on over. We'll, we, you know, we'll, have, we'll put you in there. And, you know, we needed him there. And he does a great job. And so... The question for for him really is, how long do you want to do that? Because you're kind of limited there, right? Mm-hmm. If you go out in the field, learn some skills, you can progress to a lot of other avenues out there. And so we're sort of in this 
what's the long-term plan for him. And then our youngest is 21 and she came on last winter as a design assistant. She's sort of, again, like what I would say is a utility player, right? She's doing our social media. She's learning marketing from kind of a mentor type person that has her own marketing firm. And, and she does, she'll do the data entry when, when our son isn't here. So figuring out where the three of them are going to be long-term, that's our next kind of the next, next goal. And we've started working with the company to help kind of def- define what that looks like and explore for them, you know, what are the opportunities? The first question though really is, do I like this crazy business? Yeah. Do I want to be a part of this long-term? And, and once they answer that, then, then it's like, okay, well, what are the opportunities here for eventually ownership or management or whatever? But to me, they've got to go through, you don't just get promoted because your last name is Hender in this company, right? You've got to earn it. Because that's super important. You got to know what you're doing, or or it's not going to work. So yeah. that's that's where we're at right now. Is is kind of exploring the the roles that, that the three kids are gonna gonna be in. You know, and I think Riley's she's that's our role. She's found her found her her footing in design, and she's doing some really complicated jobs, some big jobs. She's doing some simpler jobs, you know, and, and she's got a good des- design aesthetic, and she's she's quick with the computer and all that kind of stuff. So I think she's got a pretty good aptitude. Plus, having worked in the field for a year helps her know how things go together. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's what we're doing. That's yeah. cool. I have a whole line of questions that I'd love to ask you, but we'll probably have to save that for another time because we're running out of time. But I do want to ask you, and you might have hinted at the answer already, but how have you found that like bringing in a family members and then having that mixed in with non family, like, did that change the dynamic at all? Do, were people like, oh, you know, you kind of said like, you got to earn your spot. I always wonder about that. Do people think, oh, you just got the job because your family, like, has that come up or have you seen anything around that? Well, we talk about that a lot before they come on because like I'm harder on them than anybody else. I'm and sure. that is exactly yeah. <laughs> why. And it's maybe that's when some of those family discussions aren't as fun. Yeah. Like, Dad, you're harder on them than you are on me. And I'm like, I'm sorry for that. There's a reason, right? And hopefully maybe someday they see that. But yeah, it's a balancing act, you know, of like being too hard on them versus not hard enough, you know? So I am admittedly not good at giving praise. I don't need it. And so maybe therefore I don't give it as often as I should. And not just our kids, but people need that. So it's one of those things that I got to work on. So yeah, I I'm the same way. Yeah. I think when you don't need it, then you don't give it, you know, because you think, why would anyone, <laughs> why would anyone need yeah, this? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sounds like we're both working on that. Well, you kind of described like a little bit of the future for figuring out the family dynamics, who's interested and in, in, in that sort of thing. But just overall, like company wise, where are you guys trying to go over the next few years? Yeah. I mean, I'm not one to like grow in leaps and bounds. I kind of like where we're at as far as revenue wise and staffing. But the other thing though, that I realize is, and our advisory team talks about this, right? That look, if we don't grow, then there's limited opportunities for staff to grow, right? And so you have to grow or else you you risk losing good people, which as you know, good people are, are hard to find. That's the reason for growth, right? But yeah. we're not we're not talking doubling our revenue or our employee size or anything like that. There might be some other revenue streams that we might explore that would help with that, right? If somebody wanted to pick something up that they they're ready to go to the next the next level, so to speak, 
in their in their trade career. We just kind of put that out there. We talk about those things as a company quarterly at our quarterly meetings. Like our door, we kind of have this open door policy. Like if you got something you want to run run by us, come on in. You know, so I like that. Yeah, that's cool. And I've never you hear the like you're either growing or you're dying phrase a lot, but I really like the way you kind of clarified it, which is you have to grow because your team needs those opportunities for advancement. And if they're really good, they want to grow themselves. And so, yeah, if you want to keep them, then that's kind of the only way. And and then you start dying, you know, quote unquote, because you start losing your really good people, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And I mean, we like right now we have, we have just a phenomenal team in inside and out that I don't want to lose anybody. I love them all, you know? So yeah. like, what do we got to do to keep you? Are they going to hear this? Uh, only if you share it with them. <laughs> yeah. No, I think they all. I think they all know how how we feel about them. That they're just they are they're our biggest assets. So yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Well, Dave, one more question to wrap us up. If you could leave other remodeling business owners one piece of advice or some final words of wisdom, what would you want to leave us with? Advice, maybe wisdom. I don't know if I can help you. With that one. <laughs> yeah, um, it's an either or. You know. Yeah. Question. Right. Be flexible. Mm. You know, because you just and and also be humble, because just when you think you got it and you got it nailed, something's gonna gonna come at you from the side, and so you've got to be flexible and nimble and ready ready to deal with it, and and have the humility maybe to make a decision that I don't know is not ego driven. I guess right. Yeah. So, Good advice. Yeah. Well, Dave, this has been fun. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Hey, thanks for having me, Spencer. Appreciate it. Good luck to you. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.